Welcome to the Faithful Vegan Podcast, where we bring faith to your kitchen table. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and join us on an amazing journey inside the wonderful world of veganism. And take part in the discussion of food and faith while receiving tips and tools on how to maintain a plant-based diet long-term. Our goal on The Faithful Vegan is to inspire you to live your healthiest life, both spiritually and physically, so that you can complete your God-given mission on Earth. Now let's get into the show with your host, Cersei Blue. Welcome to today's episode of the Faithful Vegan Podcast. I'm your host, Cersei Blue, the Faithful Vegan. Today, we are going to bring you an amazing guest that will inspire and encourage you to live your healthiest life, both spiritually and physically. I would love to introduce to you Simone Samuels. She is the woman behind the fantastic blog, Life After Oxdale. You may also know her from her personal blog, Simone Samuels, where she writes on faith, life, law, and much, much more. Life After Oxdale will motivate you to explore veganism minus all the hangups. Without further delay, I will let Simone share her story, her vegan journey, and the passion behind her blog. Welcome, Simone. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I must say that what really drew me to your site, um, from, I'm coming from a Jamaican descent myself, was the title mm-hmm. Life After Oxdale. So can you just tell our audience, for those who aren't of Jamaican descent, where did you get that name from and what's the context behind that, that title? Sure. Um, well, the blog was originally called Veghead. I couldn't think of anything better at the time because I thought about how I I wanted to blog from an intellectual perspective, perspective in terms of what veganism was all about and eating a plant-based diet. And um, so that's where it started, and I would post on Facebook my recipes, et cetera. And um, I have a few people who follow my blog from Facebook or who have unashamedly told me that they – they Facebook stalked me. So mm-hmm. one friend, um, she said that she's been po- seeing my posts and that has been has inspired her and her husband to try going vegan for a week. Um, wow. She's also of Jamaican descent. Mm-hmm. So we were having this conversation on Facebook and I was saying how, you know, I have my first converts. This is so great. And we had we started to have this, face- this Facebook conversation in the comments. One girl was like, you're not a convert. You're not Jesus. LOL. And um, other people were like, yay, good job, Simone. And and somebody said, oh, it shows that there's actually life after oxtail. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such, that's a great phrase, life after oxtail, because that's truly, um, that honestly truly encapsulates what the blog is about. Not only like veganism or anything, because as I've mentioned, I think in some of my most recent posts, I do eat meat from time to time. So it it would be unfair to call myself a pure vegan, but it really does describe my life after, you know, eating oxtail. Right. (laughs) After, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I just loved it because... If anyone knows that oxtail is a delicacy, and one of the things when you start moving further away from a a meat-eating lifestyle, oxtail is one of those things that you're like, really? Do I have to give up the oxtail? So that was it was just awesome when I saw that. So 
tell us a little bit about how you started your your vegan journey. I know you said that you eat meat time to time, but just even just getting into the journey, I know you stated that you started in a church, on a bus, and in a university classroom. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. Well, growing up, um, so as you know, and as mm-hmm. we both are, we're both Seventh-day Adventists, which mm-hmm. I think was it serves as such an uncanny connection that right. another Adventist vegan would find me. Mm-hmm. But um, so, but as you very well know, in the Adventist denomination, vegetarianism is encouraged, right? So mm-hmm. I grew up in an Adventist home. I grew up going to church. Uh, I was in Pathfinder. My Pathfinder director was also health director. So I grew up knowing that having a vegetarian diet was ideal. Mm-hmm. Right, um, being told that from the pulpit, learning that in, in pathfinders, and so I had always just assumed, kind of like baptism. I always right. just assumed that something I would do one day, just not right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I reach better, higher levels of holiness, then that's what I'll do. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I, and um, yeah, I, I saw that as something further in the line, further down the line, like when I'm in my thirties or forties. But um, I, when I was in first year university, I took a course called moral questions and social policies, something to that effect. It was an applied ethics course. It was like literally my most favorite philosophy course. But part of that course was learning about animal ethics and learning about where does our meat come from? Where does our milk come from? Mm -hmm. Um, Do animals have any claim to, not hate human rights, but any claim to to ethics, to dignity? Um, Should we treat them any differently than other species? we talked about speciesism, the idea that some species are above other species. That's one thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so just learning all of that and watching the videos that my professor, who I later found out <laughs> is vegan or vegetarian, mm-hmm. but like uh, learning and watching all those videos made me realize, okay, um, these animals actually go through a lot of stuff. I don't know if I'm comfortable of being part of, you know, a, a situation or a system that inflicts so much pain on these animals. And mm-hmm. I can't justify eating the meat of these animals if they're being washed in, like, ammonia and if they are, you know, traumatized and tortured mm-hmm. before they, they're they killed. I don't know how hormonal release, will that affect their meat? Like, that's what I was thinking. Right. Like, how could that actually even be healthy? Mm-hmm. So that dropped a seed. Um, so, as you know, I grew up in Toronto, moved out to Montreal for law school, and um, when I was in Montreal, I ended up going to an Adventist church with people who were, like, super fundamental and mm. kind of conservative. Because my church back home in Toronto, everybody was Jamaican. And not, like, very few people were vegetarians. So, mm. you know, if we had a church potluck, yeah, we'd have the, the fried fish and, you know, ackee and salt fish and, and maybe some oxtail. But here it's mm. just, like, the church had a policy where they had no, can't, couldn't have any meat on the compound. No right. meat could be brought at church, even for a church lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So <laughs> that that was kind of difficult. And then all my friends that I was making from church were all vegan. So right. that really got me got me thinking. Um, and then one day we were going to to a church. We were going visiting another church, and we were on the bus. And we were talking about vegetarianism, and I was saying how I'm like, I'm a proud meat eater. Right. And one guy I was with, he was like, <laughs> oh, they're all francophones, so he's like, est-ce que tu crois en excellence? Est-ce que tu, you know, do you believe in excellence? Right. And I'm like, yeah. And he's just super intense about it, <laughs> about how, you know, how can you be a meat eater 
and believe in excellence. And I'm just like, you guys are really super intense. But that really made me start to think about this veganism thing. Um, and just, I guess those, all those experiences and praying about it, I was like, you know what, let me at least try this. Let's see what happens. Let's see if these claims of, of weight loss and long hair and more energy <laughs> are true. You know, right. um, I have nothing to lose. So, yeah, that's where it started. That was about 2011. Wow. So it's been some time. So you also yeah. mentioned that Doug Batchelor, and I guess you could explain yeah. to the audience who that is, got involved in kickstarting your journey as well. Yeah. So a funny thing is, so I'm one of those people who have no shame in posting things on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I posted, I posted about... Hey, I'm setting being a vegan and pray for me, y'all. Like that was what my Facebook status, and people were really supportive, especially people from um, church, and they're like, "This is this is going to be so helpful for you." And also at the time, I was friends, Facebook friends with Doug Bachelor. Not that that's a big deal at all, because you know at the time he was one of those people who had like five thousand Facebook friends before right. he moved over to his own Facebook page. So it's not like he knew me. It's not like we'd ever met before. It's not like we were good friends. Um, but I mean, technically, as friends on Facebook, technically you're supposed to be able to see the profiles of your other friends. So I don't know what kind of algorithm caused it or what happened, but he was he saw my Facebook status, and which is, I mean, the odds are. I don't even know what the odds are for that to happen, given how many friends he has and the fact that, you know, we don't communicate, so therefore my post shouldn't be first and foremost on his page. So just so everybody knows, Doug Batchelor is a world-renowned evangelist and pastor. He's Mm. he's the head of the Amazing Facts Ministries. He's a Seventh-day Adventist, so he has a TV ministry that probably many people have seen on Daystar or Vision Channel or wherever in the United States and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really well-known in Adventist circles. I wouldn't call him an Adventist celebrity because we right. shouldn't have celebrities, but he is really highly respected. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, he commented, and he was like, you'll feel so much better. And I was wow. like, oh, my gosh, Doug Baxter <laughs> well, commented like on from God. Well, you know, I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. I had one friend. He was like, "I think that's a sign. I think this is confirmation." Mm-hmm. As like maybe it is because that does not happen every day. Mm-hmm. Like that's almost like Oprah, right? Obviously, <laughs> like your status, you know? Right, right. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So from 2011 until now, just give us a picture of how that journey kind of looked, how it's evolved. Um, just, just what it looks like. How has it been? Because we're, you know, it's been how many years now? What's that? Four years. Mm-hmm. So how, how has five. it been for you? Five, almost five. Um, it's been, you know, a lot of people ask me if becoming vegan was hard, mm-hmm. but I, I started from a different standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. So I started with in a context where most of my friends are Seventh Day Adventists, right? Mm-hmm. And my family is a Seventh Day Adventist. So I started in a context where people were already amenable to veganism and vegetarianism. So when I told my parents, it's not like they were, oh, my gosh, what are you going to do? He's like, how are you not going to eat meat? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Not really understanding, but like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were supportive. And then, like, part of eating, like, there's a social aspect, right? But once again, my social circles, most of them 
are as Venice. <laughs> so right. it's not like when we, when we would go out, if we wanted to go out, everybody wanted to go to a vegan or vegetarian place anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so I didn't have to fight, you know, feeling out of place or anything. Anywhere I was going, there's going to be vegetarian food. And then my friends who are not as Venice, they just, they would just accommodate because I have great people as friends. So it wasn't super hard. I just ended up buying a lot of cookbooks. <laughs> mm. I think that was key for me. And just having a lot of pins on Pinterest and printing off a lot of recipes just to know what can I make without meat. And um, I think having been a meat eater was really helpful because I actually knew how to season my food. <laughs> right. In terms of like, right, like tofu is one of those finicky stuff. You need to make sure it's marinated. Um, preferably like in soy sauce or something, and you press out your tofu. But I knew how to properly prepare tofu because, you know, once you know how to do the seasoning for like oxtail or, or I don't know, curry goat or whatever, you can right. easily transfer the Transfers. same seasoning to tofu or whatever. Right. So it wasn't a huge challenge. And then as I started to cook, I'm like, oh, my gosh, my food actually looks good and tastes good. I need to share this. Let's put it on the blog. So, it's, so that's how the blog was birthed then. It was you coming up with these recipes for yourself and then figuring, wow, they're really good. Let's, let me share them. Yeah. That pretty much just being Because one of the things I noticed about your recipes on there, which I found was quite intriguing was that you kind of put a Jamaican twist on a lot of your recipes. So yeah. that, so was that something you were intentionally doing or that was just, this is what you pretty much ate. So it just kind of went along with your cultural background or or was that something I you were trying thinking, to do? You were trying to meet a, a particular a group of people that you were trying to focus in on, or did, was that just by accident? I wasn't doing that intentionally at the beginning. Mm. At the beginning, I was posting, like, run-of-the-mill vegan recipes, mm-hmm. like tofu scramble. <laughs> Everybody mm-hmm. has a tofu scramble recipe. Um, you know, just here's quinoa, here's another way to use kale, and just really stereotypical recipes. Um, and things that I saw in cookbooks. And then um, I posted, I forget what it was. I posted something that was kind of Jamaican inspired. Like I always, I, my, one of my favorite desserts ever is Jamaican sweet potato pone. Like mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Especially if like my aunts make it or something. Right. But it has a lot of eggs and, you know, I wanted to figure out a, a vegan way of making it. And I thought maybe other people would be interested too. So I just created a vegan version and I, I would notice that, yeah, I, I post other recipes that were not Jamaican-inspired. But, the like, looking at my blog stats, the recipes that people seem to like the most or um, click on the most were always those Jamaican-style um, recipes. And since my blog was already called Life After Oxtail, right, I thought to myself, great. well, why don't I? <laughs> maybe I should be strategic. <laughs> right. Because, right. you know, truth be told, in, in terms of, like, um, finding your niche and um, – mm-hmm. Yeah, truth be told, it's hard to distinguish your your blog if you're just going to be another vegan blog. But um, this way, it it allowed me to to find my niche, find my lane, and speak to a different audience. Because a lot of the people I speak to that I'm around are Caribbean people, and they're all they were like me. They're like, yeah, I know about vegetarianism. Yeah, that's good and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's just like we don't know how to make that leap. Like I don't like tofu, you know. We don't want no social food right, and all that right, stuff. And so right. I'm hoping that this would serve as, like, inspiration as, like, you don't have to have tasteless food if you're going to go plant-based. Like, there's things that you could eat that you might enjoy eating that might be reminiscent of what you would cook 
as a Caribbean person. Right. And I think that was what was really interesting about the site because it created a sense of familiarity. So when I was on mm-hmm. there and, you know, a being of Jamaican descent and these are things that you're, you're common, your, your taste buds are for, it was like, okay, you wanted your Jamaican fix. Okay. You had the color Lukish. You had different things on there. Yeah. So it, it, it really just made it more natural trying to become a vegan in your own context rather than saying, okay, well, like you said, I'm going to just start eating things that are way, out of my zone, not, you know, not that they're not good, but sometimes when you yeah. start with what you're used to, it just makes it such an easier process of transitioning because it's like you're, you're having the flavors that you're used to, the, the seasonings that you're used to. So I yeah. thought I was, that was really great. Um, another thing you talk about in your blog, which was interesting, is I know a lot of times with whether you're transitioning to a vegan lifestyle or you just want to do it um, partly, one of the reasons is why? Why do this? What's, you know, does it really make a difference if I be a vegan or not be a vegan? On your website, you talk about a lot of reasons why veganism makes sense. Can you just mm-hmm. talk to our audience about some of those reasons? I know you mentioned spirituality and nutritional benefits, but just kind of let us talk a little bit about why veganism makes sense from your perspective. I think veganism makes sense because um, I think I listed four reasons. I think I said philosophically, spiritually, um, nutritionally, um, it, and, you know, ethically. Mm-hmm. I couldn't justify eating meat. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't. Mm-hmm. I had no, like, why, why am I eating meat? I know very well, um, just from reading my Bible, but just also from the studies out there, that I don't need to eat meat to be healthy. I know meat is not an essential component to my diet such that I, I need to have it. So that was dispelled. And so I kind of just came to the realization that the only reason why I or really anybody insists on eating meat is because it tastes good. <laughs> because mm-hmm. honestly, let's be, let's be real. Like, mm-hmm. you know, putting some chicken in the oven or just, you know, turning it, flipping it over two times on the stove with salt and pepper, that's easier than marinating tofu and thawing out your tempeh and creating, you know, gluten steaks, that's, that's much mm-hmm. harder, you know? So there, there is that. And I, I just, just the research that I was seeing, the videos and I was seeing online and a lot of the documentaries coming out, like Fat, Sick, Nearly Dead, Veducated. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the other ones. There's more on my, my blog, but it was just like just watching those and just seeing the effects of, um, the sad diet, the standard American diet right. on people's lives as opposed to a plant-based diet, I was just like, come on now. <laughs> right. This is at least worth a try, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't justify drinking milk with, with pus in it. I couldn't justify, you know, putting animals through that pain of, you know, constantly being pregnant so they're constantly stimulated so that they constantly can create milk. I couldn't justify eating chickens who whose breasts are so heavy they can't walk and they end up trying to poke and scratch each other in their, their little cages, couldn't justify um, just, you know, their sentient beings and just, you know, looking in the Bible and not only noticing that God gave um, Adam and Eve, you know, grains to, to eat and, and, and seeds and plants to eat, but also seeing how Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1, um, he was eating the, the, the pulses, right? He was just eating a vegetable mm-hmm. diet, and he ended up looking better than everybody else. Right. I think there's an argument to be made for a plant-based diet being, 
an ideal diet, um, a healthy a healthy diet. So I mean, there's just so much. When I did the research, there's just so many things that showed me that you know what there's there's something to be said here for a vegan diet. Right, and I I think what else I appreciate about um, life after oxtail is that it really takes out the hang-ups that come along with veganism. I think a lot of times when people hear the word vegan, it comes off like very legalistic, very strict, very almost even mm-hmm. condemning sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And so one of the things um, that I realized in my journey or, or just even in general is that, you know, veganism is not a destination. It's a process. And some people mm-hmm. start here. Some people may be, you know, at a different point, but it's it's generally just a process. It's not this strict destination that everyone has to be this particular way. You call mm-hmm. yourself a flexitarian. Tell us about that and, and how that relates to just being kind to yourself in this process. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I, I realize that sometimes being vegan isn't practicable, right? Like mm-hmm. when I go home, so I'm living in Montreal now, so I live away from home. When I, and home is Toronto. So when I go home, to see my family, and my mom, she'll cook, you know, some fried dumpling and salt fish. What am I going to be like? Am I going to be like, no, I don't want no salt fish? Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to eat, <laughs> you know? My mm-hmm. parents have tried to be accommodating in terms of, like, when I go home, they have almond milk in the fridge and mm-hmm. day cheese and veggie meat because <laughs> they, don't, they don't know, but they're just trying, you know? Right. So, it, you know, there's that social aspect where it was like, you know, do you, I want to sacrifice having fun and and just living life and using ve- veganism as like a crutch and always to be like no I can't go there because I'm vegan or you know no I'm not going to eat that because I'm vegan it mm-hmm. kind of felt like it could get to the point where it's silly and unnecessary mm-hmm. like I know I, Dr. Caldwell I think it or Esselstyn one of them did um, a presentation one time that I went to about how people who even ate fish occasionally raise their, their, I think it was diabetes or cancer risk. But mm-hmm. mm, no offense to them, but I really don't <laughs> think that eating one piece of oxtail once a year, mm-hmm. you know, or even twice a year is really going to change <laughs> all that much mm-hmm. your prognosis in terms of, like, if you're going to develop diabetes. It's really a lifestyle thing, right? So if you're right, eating it every right. day, then it's going to have more of an effect. So that's why I was just like, you know, I don't see how strict adherence to a diet is going to make me any healthier. Maybe right. just being a little bit flexible from time to time will allow me to reap many of those health benefits, but it'll also allow me to live, you know, right. um, and, and, and be able to be with people and, and not, you know, because so, sometimes you can't do the tofu, you know. Right. Um, so that's what it was important to me to be flexible in that respect. Right. And it, it makes sense because... Um, not everyone's cut out for the to, for the absolute restriction, but I think somebody like you said who ninety percent of their diet is vegan and maybe ten percent isn't, they're a lot closer to their own health. You know what I mean? So sometimes people mm-hmm. have to say, "Well, if you're not a hundred percent vegan, you're not vegan. You you can't embrace veganism. You can't eat more plant based, and it's it's just not realistic. Everybody is not going to be necessarily one hundred percent. Now, if you are power no problem but i think mm-hmm. being more open you, you the message is 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 more acceptable when you're you're not as judgmental and you're like hey you know this is where i'm at i'm at 100% vegan but you know what if you did 90 or 50 or 
even 40, it, it's moving people closer towards their health. And so that's how exactly. I got to look at it too. So, I think um, about people like um, Mark mm. Bittman. He wrote the book Vegan Before Six, you know, mm. um, idea of like if you eat vegan before dinner, you can still right. reap many of the health benefits. Or, right. You know, I kind of feel like because I went on a vegan cruise and met a lot of those vegan dogmatic people who are just like you went on a veganism vegan as a religion. Okay, so tell me about the the um, vegan cruise. Yeah, so what happened was I get Veg News magazine, and um, it's like a magazine, for, it's a vegetarian magazine. And so I was flipping through it one day in about 2013, and I saw that they had a contest for tickets to go on a vegan cruise. And the consolation prize was to um, win a Vitamix. So I kind of felt like it was a win-win. Mm-hmm. So I figured I would enter um, and hopefully win. And unfortunately, I did not win. But the vegan cruise really got me interested because not only was it vegan, but, like, it was going to all these different Caribbean countries like Jamaica, um, I think Puerto Rico, St. Martin. And so, yeah, I found it really interesting because I had gone on a cruise before. And I think part of the big cruise experience is eating is eating just in general, yeah. you know, and I think people with dietary restrictions are kind of turned off by cruises because they're like, oh, there's going to be nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. So it's called Holistic Holiday at Sea, um, and I did that. I just, you know, I was, I had finished law school in um, December 2013, so, and I was just super exhausted, super tired, and wanted to do something fun. I had been on a vacation for a couple of years, so I figured I would go on this cruise, I did that in March 2014. So we went to Puerto Rico. Didn't go to Jamaica, though. But we went to Puerto Rico, St. Martin. We were supposed to stop in the Bahamas, but there was um, inclement weather, so it wouldn't have been safe to dock. But um, it was great. I went by myself, which was another big thing for me Mm because a lot of people were like, you're crazy. (laughs) You're a young woman going on this cruise by yourself. But honestly, like, the people, the crowd on the cruise, I will not lie, was an older crowd, but that was great because they just kind of adopted me. And I have created so many friends from that cruise to this day. So You should post your pictures and all of that on your blog. That would be really interesting to see. Um, I should. You know, I've been meaning to do that for the past year. <laughs> I was wow. like, I need to put this on my blog. And obviously that never happened. But I, yeah, I will do that. Yeah, that's a request. Um, okay. So <laughs> so in terms of one of the things on The Faithful Vegan that we try to talk about a lot is we try to merge how food and faith kind of connect. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more. I know you mentioned just growing up as a seven-day Adventist and how has your faith really impacted your your whole food journey and all of that? Well, I believe our body is a holy temple, right? And I believe that our body is an instrument and not an ornament. I believe God wants to do wonderful things with us as we use our bodies. But I also believe that if we don't treat it the way it ought to be treated, we're going to be less effective and efficient in his work, right? So my the goal as a Christian is not to be a lawyer or to be rich or to be famous or successful. It's for God's will and purpose to be done on earth as it is in heaven and for me to be used in in that respect, go wherever he wants me to go. And so I, I really realized from a, a early enough age that you want to keep your body in as as good shape as you can, as healthy as you can, 
to in order that you could be fully fully used in his service. So that was really important to me. I believe God also cares about our health. Um and so that was important to me too. So that's that's how uh, the food and the faith kind of fit in. I feel like if you are disabusing disabuse abusing your body, right? Doing you know, the alcohol, the bacon, the fatty foods all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. fries are vegan. <laughs> So, you know, you have to be careful even as a vegan. Right. But if you're always abusing your body, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you're always abusing your body, I don't see how you could then turn around and be like, Lord, I have cirrhosis of the Mm -hmm. liver, I have cancer, Mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, there's one it's one thing if you're eating healthily and you still develop these diseases. That's, you know, that's just the world in which we live. But I also wanted to, like, stave off those diseases as much as possible. So that, you know, and be that, you know, a living, walking testimony, you know, mm-hmm. look the part and, and do the part so that God could be glorified. Right. Because I think one of the unique things about being a seven-day Adventist is just having that that health message. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. times, um, you know, I've been involved in other churches and things that has never really been an emphasis. So that was mm-hmm. one of the unique things that I guess I appreciate about um being a seven-day Adventist is the fact that the health message is there. So you're mm-hmm. not only just trying to figure out yourself spiritually, but you're also um, figuring out, you know, like you said, your physical body. So that, that's awesome. So what's mm-hmm. in the future for Life After Oxo? What, what, what kind of plans do you have? Is there anything that the viewers can anticipate coming up down the pipe? Or what, what's your hopes for that, for that website as you kind of go along? I I don't know, <laughs> which is a bad answer because I feel like bloggers typically always have a vision for their website. For mm-hmm. me, this is, really did start off as a hobby, and right. then it kind of just grew. People discovered me. I honestly mm-hmm. didn't expect many people to read. I have such mm-hmm. low expectations. And then, I, you know, you contacted me, and then people are reading, and I'm just like, wow, I'm so so flattered and so humble. So I think what I'll what I want to do is continue to post. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking of part of me has wondered if I should look into like doing an ebook or something. Um, mm-hmm. Look into collecting some of my recipes together so that people have an idea of what do I cook for like a Jamaican Thanksgiving or not that Jamaicans don't really do Thanksgiving but Christmas or Easter. Right. right. Um, so I might do that. Um, I have always wondered if you know, really taking it taking it more seriously than I do. Not to say that I don't take it seriously, mm. but like like oh she glows. If I should start to make it more of a not well, not a, I can't do full time, but more 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 full time than right now. Right. And really um, go into like food photography and stuff. I don't know if that's something I want to do, but that's right. basically I I pray over my blogs. I pray over because I I look at it as a tool also for witnessing. Right. Or. Like, I believe health, well, Ellen G. White says health is the, the entering wedge. Ellen G. White is an Adventist author. Mm-hmm. And so I, I truly believe that. I truly believe and hope that somebody will read something from either my food blog or my personal blog and maybe not be converted because only the Holy Spirit could do the process of conversion. But, you know, plant a seed or think differently or, you know, be more open to ideas of faith or at least just food. So I, I pray over these blogs and I trust God to take them into whatever direction he wants to take them. 
Wow, that's an, that's an awesome way to kind of close out. And we'll definitely be looking and following and just seeing what God does with you and does with Life After Oxtail. And also your personal blog, which we didn't get into that today, which, again, is a very awesome website just on life and and law and health and things like that. So can you just tell the audience one more time what your um, website address is um, and also even your personal blog address? Just so we know where. Sure. So for Life After Oxtail, mm-hmm. it's www.lifeafteroxtail, all one word. So L-I-F-E-A-F-T-E-R-O-X-T-A-I-L.com, mm-hmm. lifeafteroxtail.com. And then for my personal blog, it's, well, Simone Samuels. It's w, it's HTTP um, colon backslash backslash Samuels. So S I M O N E dot S A M U E L S um dot WordPress dot com. Okay, so you could search for me that way. Or if you just you could do a Google search, Simone Samuels WordPress, it should come up. They're both both of my blogs are linked to one another. So if you get to one blog and you'll see in the sidebar that I've I've linked to my other one. So they're both um connected. Okay, great. And Christmas is coming up, so I'm assuming that we're going to be seeing some yummy Jamaican Christmas dinners is what we're hoping. So, um, But it was a pleasure speaking with you, Simone, and I would love for you to come back just to even talk about some of your other issues that you have on the Simone Samuel site. Um, but it was a pleasure speaking with you, and your blog is an inspiration to your um, viewers, and I am looking forward to see what happens in the future with it. Well, praise God. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've, I've absolutely loved the, the interview. I follow your blog, too. <laughs> Guys, okay. I have to visit her blog. It's excellent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And, uh, yeah, so have a great day, and I'll be in touch with you soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank have you. a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Faithful Vegan Podcast. Remember, a healthy body plus a healthy soul equals whole. Be sure to check out our blog at www.searcyblue.com and contact us on Facebook at Searcy Blue the Faithful Vegan, as well as on Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram at Searcy Blue. 